Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello to all of you good humans out there and welcome to today's guest episode. It is guest episode number 56, a very good friend of mine, a good human factory ambassador and one of the most talented snowboarders on this planet. His name's Maddie Cox and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. But first I want to talk to you about today's sponsor. Once again, we are sponsored by Arepa. Arepa is a brain function drink and formula in more than just drink form. So I got sent a couple of their products and I've been using the nootropic brain food powder for cognitive function, which you just chuck in either a smoothie, juice, yogurt, cereals, or just use it in your raw banking. And yeah, it helps out the brain. So this clinically tested formula supports cognitive function and reduces mental fatigue. Comprised of the clinical researched ingredients, L-theanine, endogenol, pine bark extract, and neuroberry black currant, all from New Zealand. And it's perfect for when your brain is under stress and needs to perform. So if you want to learn more about the research, um, and you want to learn more about Arepa, head to drinkarepa.com. So www.drinkarepa.com. Use the code GOODHUMAN and you'll get 25% off, which is a huge discount. I highly encourage you guys to try this out. It's a very special drink and I love it. So today's episode, Maddie Cox. This is a pretty cool episode. Maddie's been through some of the wildest ups and downs you've ever heard of. His high school years is something that is something out of almost a horror movie for a young kid to go through. He's come out the other side in some really positive ways. And yeah, as I said just before, he's one of the world's best snowboarders. He went to the recent Olympics over in uh, China, represented Australia in the big air and also in slope style, which basically is just doing tricks in the park and off the biggest jumps you can do on a snowboard. He's freakishly talented. But what I love about Matty is just the sort of person he is. Every time I'm around him, he's just such a legend. He came and stayed at my house when I recorded this podcast actually for a few days and just the small things that make the difference about Maddie. We went out to dinner at the pub once or twice and he quite literally grabbed all of our plates and took it back to the kitchen for them. I'm surprised he didn't even clean, didn't clean them up. But yeah, just one of those people who goes above and beyond for those around them. I love him as a human and hopefully you enjoy this chat. So welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Maddie Cox. How you going, mate? Oh, super good. Thanks so much for having me. Man, it's good to finally do this. We've been talking about it for a while and it's nice to have you up here in oh. studio or should I say my bedroom <laughs> here on the Gold Coast where you and your beautiful girlfriend are staying at the moment. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, last two years have been so hectic, like everything going on with the pandemic and everything going on with, you know, just like competitions and everything, finding time to like just sit down and sit still for a second and then actually come up here and sit still for a second to like do something it's don't ask me why but i've been time poor and it doesn't make any sense <laughs> oh man you've had a crazy couple of years but maybe tell the let's start off by telling the listeners what do you do yeah uh, so i'm a professional snowboarder um i like to call myself a semi-professional snowboarder because i'm not 
I'm making enough to get me going, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at the top. It's not where I, I'm, it's not exactly where I want to be. I, I want to get to the top and I'm slowly making my way there. Yeah. For anyone listening though, let's backtrack a tiny bit. You did just represent Australia at the Olympics. You're the only athlete to represent Australia in big air slopes and slope style. So you're the best in Australia at your sport. So you're very good. So don't get too down on yourself. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. But um, today I'm going to kick off the podcast a little bit differently. We do have a new sponsor here at Good Humans Podcast, a rapper, this brain function um, mental performance drink. And as an athlete, we always want to try and get these gains. And I, um, yeah, I've been drinking this stuff for a while and I love it. It's, it's incredible. It's all about, yeah, improving your brain performance, but also short-term and long-term I had um, Nicole, uh, not Nicole. I had Rochelle on last week, and she had some at the start of the episode. That's what I'm going to do with a few of these, get a few of you guests, have a few sips to start the episode, and just sort of we'll gauge how you feel as the episode goes on. Because yeah, what's in it? I'm just curious. That's all. So in it, it's a New Zealand Euro black currant berry. Yeah, that is very high in vitamin C and does some good stuff for it. It's also got pine bark extract and yep. L-theanine. I'll have to get you the ep- to go back and have a listen to yeah, um, episode 54 with Angus Brown, who's founder of Arepa. Yeah. And yeah, it fascinates me. And it's so nice to know brands are really putting a lot of money into the scientific research behind it to make sure that it actually is doing stuff for your brain. They spent over four and a half million dollars on scientific research. Damn. And yeah, it's making a pretty good drink. So cheers. Cheers. See how we feel. Pretty strong. It's yeah, like, that's like it's like pungent. Pretty good current. though. It feels like a. It's more like a um, ribena. No, it's it's better than ribena because ribena is hell sugary. This is more like a. I feel like I'm drinking like, like a. Oh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I feel like I'm drinking like a. Um, you know when you go into those health food stores and you mm. get like those shots of things, yeah, and like you're like you're stoked with the energizer shots or something like that, but it tastes so much better. Yeah, it's like that big, a bit bigger than a shot serving. It's yeah, quite it's... strong. With this one, the performance one, I usually like drink half and fill it up with water just to dilute it a little bit and last it a bit longer. But it's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's good. Let's jump into the chat. So the thing I open up every good humans podcast with is, what are you grateful for today? Actually, I'm grateful that I get to spend time with you and. I'm having an amazing trip on the Goldie with my girlfriend and I get to hang out with a bunch of your friends and a bunch of my friends and it's, I mean, that's the most grateful thing I am for at the moment is just friends, I guess. Yeah, it's been a really fun couple of days. Um, Maddie is an ambassador for the Good Human Factory, so I've been showing him around the Gold Coast, getting him sorted with some merch and getting to hang out with Harry Bink, who's another ambassador. We went down to his compound and watched him do some motocross stuff and then we went surfing together just trying to create a cool community and obviously been enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. Uh, Coops didn't tell me where we were going and then like kind of couldn't keep his mouth shut when we were driving <laughs> towards there. And he's like, you got any idea where we're going? Yada, yada, yada. Kind of like was leading it on a little bit. And then I was like, oh yeah, actually I know who lives around here and I know who's got someone, something around here just from a mutual friend um, telling me all about his uh, setup that he's got. And I was like, switched on maybe about 20 minutes into the drive and I was like, yeah, okay, I know where we're going. So I was all G'd up, got there and... Now it was super awesome to meet Harry. He's a legend and I got to talk. I know a bit of shop with him, as you would say. Um, and there's so many similarities. Uh, obviously, completely different. I don't want to call it a sport, but completely different Sports. sport. <laughs> yeah, And like just the way that he functions and all that sort of stuff I can relate to so much. And then just picking up advice from him. And obviously yourself as well. Um, over the past few days, it's like blown my mind. I'm like, wow. It's like you 
kind of being in these individual sports, you feel like you are sectioned off and you mm. feel like it's like it's a one-man band. Well, especially in my case because I travel around with no coach, no um, no support staff because it's just the situation that I'm in. Um, so to have a chat to being can have a chat to yourself about like traveling around because I know you, you yourself, you've like tried... Um, not tried. You've been competing on the world stage as well, and mm. and you've been by yourself on that, or and you and you've brought people through with you, and you've had a big impact on like the younger generation. That's kind of something that I say I want to do myself as well. So it's kind of nice to know that it's although you do feel lonely in that situation, it really isn't. It's just kind mm. of you and more your thoughts feeling lonely. It's like I'm sure if I picked up the phone and like if I honestly mm. if I gave you a call or even one of my buddies a call, like it it'd just take you away from that headspace. So it's it's been a big eye opener for me in the past couple of days, I guess. Yeah, it's been really cool. And that's something I'm proud of doing with the Good Human Factory is connecting all these different sports of good humans because we can learn from each other so much. Like watching you and Harry the other day talking about the distance between jumps, even though he's on a motorbike, you're on a snowboard, you were like comparing angles of the difference, top of the jump, the distance, the speed that you come in with, and then also like the rotations and then just like the coaching the intricacies of it. Like Harry was coaching our friend Southie who was just learning some new flips. And he was saying like, all right, that's enough. You can't do any more tricks. And also like, Oh, I don't do this big trick every time because for one, the danger, but for two, I don't need to do it every time. And I could see your brain ticking over going, Oh, I kind of feel like every time I have to hit that one trick repetitively. Whereas now maybe I don't need to. Yeah. Different ways of thinking from different people is pretty cool. Oh, hundred percent. It's, mind-boggling how yeah. like, it, it's so different but it's so it's we're all human at yeah, the end of the day it's, exactly it's yeah it's, insane yeah well i'm gonna i guess i'll kick off with telling people how i met you so i went and did a snow trip a couple of years back with alex hayes who most people will know is one of my best mates and we're at the snow doing a trip and you were staying with nate johnson who's a good family friend of mine and a pro snowboarder olympian as well and he um was like oh my friend maddie's gonna hang out too and we got to know you and you're Probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. <laughs> and that's why I thought you were perfect to have as a good human ambassador. And then I found out that you were a pro snowboarder who's going to the Olympics too, which just worked out <laughs> as a little bonus. But yeah, we're going to get to know your story a bit better because it's an interesting one. I've got to know it a little bit. You've shown me some cool footage and a little doco you're working on, which we're going to dig into some of your story here. So let's um let's kick it off. Let's go back back to the start. Where, right, were, you, yeah. where, where were you born? Let's what go. was your upbringing like? Yeah, uh, let's go into little me. Um, So... 9th of June, 1998, best day in the world, I think at least. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I come from an hour south of Sydney, Stanwell Park. Um, My parents split up when I was two. They both went their separate ways, yada, yada, yada. Um, But so uh, when my mum was about, well, sorry, when I was about six years old, my mum moved to Coffs Harbour um, and there was a big separation there. And then backtracking a little bit more, my dad started me snowboarding when I was two. Wow. Um, super young age. And one of the big snowboarding companies at the time released kids gear for like, I think it was the, I, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I think it was the first ever kids range, like kids boots, bindings, like everything you can need. Was it was I don't want to say it, but yeah, Surely something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they released um, this little 90 centimeter board. And my, I think my whole dad's plan behind it all was like, I'm going to get Maddie on a snowboard so he can take anything he does on a snowboard to get into surfing, like get the balance sort of thing. Um, but obviously being a kid at a young age, 
I found the surf terrifying because you've got a moving object that you have to catch. You got waves coming at you. And I think every kid can kind of relate to being like, you feel a bit out of your depth in the ocean. And Mm. if you do go, if you have the chance to go down the snow, it's more of a family thing. Like you can go down there. Like even though one person is ridiculously good or you have your Joe blow that's doing its first day, anyone can get on snow and enjoy it. So it really, I don't know it's just it's it, it made so much sense for my dad to get me into it because mm. it's that family atmosphere you can get things going all that sort of thing um so I took to it and I've got some videos that I'll, I'll send through that maybe you can splice up in here yeah. um, of me when I was younger and yeah my dad would just pull me up and down um Friday flats at Threadbow He'd like pull me up the hill and then push me down so it was such a crazy I don't know I, I have no recollection of it and I really wish I did because I think it would be a cool mm. memory um, but yeah, like the, I watch the videos and I'm like, oh my God, if I saw like a little kid doing that at the moment, I'd be like so stoked. I'd yeah. be giving them shark is hyping them up, all that sort of business. And you do, you do see it a little bit. Yeah. Still not as much as I wish in Australia. I feel like a lot of people push their kids towards skiing because they can get around the mountain, mm. which I, I understand, but everybody wants to learn to snowboard at one day, like your kids and stuff like that. Oh, I mean, that's gold coming from me. I, yeah. I snowboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's such a... I don't know. It, it, skiing takes maybe a day to learn and then you can kind of get around. Snowboarding might take a week to learn, but once you learn it, it's like riding a bike. Like yeah. you don't forget it. You got your basics sorted. So that's kind of where my dad kind of pushed me into snowboarding straight away. He's like, oh, I snowboard. I want to push Maddie mm. into snowboarding because it makes sense because if he can learn it while he's young, it's quicker than he can start keeping up with it and all that sort of st- stuff. So that was kind of the foundation of where snowboarding came from is dad trying yeah. to get me better to so start. you started so you were snowboarding from two to six and then your mum moves to coffs harbour did you go up with your mum yeah so and then we still able just to go down on holidays in this season yeah. with your dad so with the whole um situation with parents splitting and like one parent moving like six hours oh, six hours north of sydney or eight hours at the time yeah. with the roads um there's limitations between what parent can have this and that um, so kind of my dad got me into competing for snowboarding in a, a event called inner schools. Um, and it was just racing, which is uh, giant slalom, which they put, um, gates, which you've had Benny Tudhope on, which yeah. he does bank slalom yeah. or yeah. Bank slalom in the, um, Paralympics. Um, so we have that event and then we have border cross as well. And it's all just timed. And I think the whole idea behind that was my dad could get just a little bit more time with me mm. um, just because it is pretty gnarly within the court system with yeah. what they do and all that sort of stuff. Um, but no need to go into it. Um, so that was the whole idea of getting me into competing. But I was coming from such a, I don't know, I've just always been competitive and I've always been pretty driven to being like, okay, mm. I, like I'm fully, yeah, competitive. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so although I didn't have heaps of time on snow, I was still like... I'd get on a board and I'd be like, oh, I want to win this. Like I had a fire in my belly and that, yeah. that's that's kind of what kicked off the competitive career when I was about six or seven. Wow. Um, but moving schools and all that sort of stuff was a bit chaotic. But once you kind of get settled in, it's like it's not that big of a deal. So, um, yeah, that, that's that was my entry into competing. Wow. So you grew up basically in Coffs Harbour from six. Yeah. How was that growing up in Coffs Harbour? Were you just with a single mum and you don't have any siblings, do you? Yeah, so I've got two older sisters. Okay. Um, they have a different dad to me, um, but they're my sisters. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah, well, I've 
shared a room with both of them for about majority of my life and we get along like two peas in a pod and we argue whenever we can like it's, it's no different um but coffs harbor is a very i love that place i really do always will have a place in my heart but it's such a small it's a small city a small it's a large town small city and mm. i feel like people get pretty um i don't know stuck in their ways there and i've met so many amazing people there but like a couple of my friends like I've been traveling around the world. They still haven't even been on an airplane. I'm like, blows my mind. I'm like, what? Like, I I guess it is still, airplanes are still pretty, I know it's expensive to travel and all this sort of stuff. Um, But I just like, for me, I was on a plane since I was about five years old traveling back and forth or yeah, five or six years old traveling back and forth from Sydney as an unaccompanied minor. Um, So even now talking to a couple of my friends at home, they still haven't been on a plane. I'm like, Oh my God, come on guys. Like (laughs) that's, it's a pretty, yeah, it's a interesting world that I live in, I guess. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. We're very lucky. And I do speak of that quite a lot on this podcast, the idea of this university of life and learning so much from traveling and especially at a young age. And for you being an unaccompanied minor on a plane, you learn how to fend for yourself pretty quickly. And I think I did that as well through my early teen years traveling the world as a surfer. Let's go to your early teen years and high school. How's school for you? Because going from sort of winter, I'm guessing you would have been spending quite a bit of time down the snow and then coming back and forth would be hard academically probably to keep up. But then as well being a snowboarder in a country town that nobody snowboards, I'm sure it would have been quite hard to fit in. What was high school like for you? Yeah, so like at the the end, just to backtrack a little bit, like the end years of primary school, I started getting like, quite a bit of shit put on me because people didn't quite understand. Like one of the teachers at the end of the year, end of year six, there's sports awards. And like I, that year I won um, regionals, state and nationals, like in border cross GS in both events. And that was like, doesn't happen when you win both events. Mm. That was like, usually there was one kid that was really good at GS and one kid that was yeah. really good at border cross. And like for me to do that from regional state and nationals is like, was a pretty big deal. And she said to me, she was like, yeah, but snowboarding doesn't count as a sport. Snowboarding doesn't count towards this sport award. And I was like, that like sucked the life out of me straight away with snowboarding where I was like, whoa, like that was pretty heavy. So it was, and I also got quite a bit of shit from other kids because I didn't understand that like I'd go away snowboarding and like come back and then they're still here and they're like, why do you get time off school kind of thing? So I've grown to understand that point in my life of like those last years of primary school but then moving into high school um i went away overseas in february that's when the snow is usually the best overseas and I, uh, from memory i went to uh breckenridge colorado i had such a fun time so like, when you're like 13 you're like sponsored and doing well in the are you yeah. starting to do tricks because you're obviously not competing in border cross now which is like speed you're more <laughs> into tricks now yeah when did the transition start into tricks um i feel like as a snowboarder you naturally even the border cross riders, even if you ask, even ask Tuddy, you, you, even he naturally, you just want to go to the park because yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's a hangout. <laughs> it's, it's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like you. It's it's a whole different world. It's jumps. It's extreme. It's 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 there's always a natural draw to it. Even when you see people for the first time at the hill, they see the park and they're like, "Wow, I want to go there." Mm. It's just a and. I really wish I could give experiences to everyone that's listening to this and, and, and things that are in my mind. Cause it's like, it really is a natural draw. You see mm. a jump that doesn't look clearable or like you see someone doing something over it and you're like, how, like it, that's defying gravity. Mm. Like I, even I have that moment still to this day when I'm 
watching other snowboarders, I'm like, oh my God, like that is like mental. And then, I don't know, you, you just kind of naturally draw to it. So that sort of kind of was always along with me racing. In my younger days, I'd always go sneak off to the park and go mm. ride park. It was never like I would focus on border cross and GS. I'd always kind of be like yeah. my heart's over here but i do this because that's the way that i compete that's yeah, what i was get doing out of school <laughs> yeah exactly that was my get out of school <laughs> i hated school um but then coming into like year seven i went overseas and went had like this amazing like two weeks three weeks with my dad in breckenridge um colorado it was like my first time to the uh second time to the states and like first time to breckenridge like it was when it was firing like it was best park in the world there like i met a couple professional snowboarders at the time and like that to me was like such an amazing moment. Then coming back to school and I said to my dad, I was like, I want first day at year seven. Like that's a big moment to go changing Mm. school, new friends, new fresh start, like people to understand. And I didn't tell people that I snowboarded the first day because everyone looked frowned upon it in primary school. So I was like, okay, sweet. I'm just not even going to tell anyone. Like Mm. I'll keep that pretty to myself. Um, And that stayed with me until maybe about year eight. Didn't tell anyone in year seven. Didn't tell anyone. No, I think maybe there was a handful of people that knew. What over winter did you go and do? Oh, I just kind of told them. I was like, yeah, I was sick or something like that. Or like the teachers, a couple of teachers kind of knew, but I was just be like, oh yeah, I was sick. Or and at like, this stage, you're still winning like all your state and national, national titles. Yeah, I was still winning these events, but I didn't, oh, I don't know. I didn't want to tell anyone. But That's so weird. It's so sad that someone at your level and your success had to hide it to like, protect yourself because of something that happened in primary school and a teacher like dissing you and like the kids like just not understanding yeah i don't know but it like i said love cos harbour but it's really people get stuck there Mm. and there's nothing on cos harbour it's nothing on people there it's this country town yeah and it's a a beautiful country town so like why would you want to leave so i understand but i think explaining snowboarding or understanding that you can make a career with snowboarding because you could always see surfing like everyone's like oh yeah we live by the beach you can but explaining that like some of them didn't even realize we had snow in Australia. Like when I told everyone, they were kind of like, we have mm. snow, like you don't have to go overseas for this. And I was like, no, God, no. But so like come back to school first week as you serve and I made a bunch of new friends and I was so stoked. I was uh, like new friends is always the mm. best thing. Like you get yeah. to learning and you're like hanging out, like playing handball, that sort of stuff. Connection with people. Yeah. So. And then leading into my second week, um, just same group of friends, the new group of friends going through. And then um, we were like, where our, my friend group was based was in the middle of like the school, like the quad. So there's balls flying everywhere and always like sort of that. So you'd always pick them up and throw them back to the people. Yeah. So um, one ball flew towards me and I picked it up. I grabbed it and I like threw it back to the dude and like accidentally threw it way too far. Like, like you don't like, you're not paying attention. You're like trying to hit another yeah. handball shot. So you throw on it, went over his head and he was like, started yelling at me and all this sort of thing. And I was like, what's this dude's problem? And I was like, oh, it's all good, bro. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it's just over there. And then started walking towards me very aggressively. And I was like, oh, man, like, this is going to be like a confrontation. I was like, oh, okay, easy. Like, I can do Like, I can uh, de-escalate yeah. a conf- conf- uh, confrontation. And next thing you know, he pulls out of his pocket like a knife, uh, like your kitchen steak knife, and like went to have a jab at me and everything. And like, I ran, like, I... As soon as he had it out, he went for a jab, jumped back, like ran around, grabbed my bag and then just started doing laps around the school because I wasn't sure who to trust. And I look back at it now and it's stupid because I had my sister in year 12 at that time. Mm. But when something like that, that you can't fathom, that you've just been like having an amazing like school experience for a change. 
So how far into year, was this in year seven? This is like my second week into year seven. Wow. Yeah. So I was a kid also in year seven, or was it no? Like he an was a year, kid? yeah, year above, year eight. Um, but it was so. I don't know. I did, I like you. You can't when you're in that moment of fight or flight because that's realistically what I was in. You don't think straight. You're just like, okay, get me to a safe space. Get me to somewhere where this guy isn't chasing me anymore. Mm. Or and all I could think of was like, okay, what can I do? Like, I know I I'm I can run around the school. Yeah. So I ran around the school and he's like kept trying to run after me and chase me. And then it was him and one of his buddies that were chasing me. And then and this is all because you threw a ball over his head. Yeah, I like. I, 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 it doesn't sound like doesn't it makes make sense. sense. It doesn't yeah, it sound doesn't. like it sounds like there should have been something else going on, but I've replayed that moment in my head from 13 to probably 19 years old. Like what the hell did mm. I do wrong? Like, did I like, what did I do to upset this, this guy? But like, I've come to realize that some people are just, they're so stuck in their ways that you kind of have to just like tunnel vision your own thing mm. and like separate it. And that's what I've done to like realize like, Okay, I'm gonna tunnel vision that out, like let yeah. it clear and all this sort of stuff. But we ended up like I that afternoon my mum called the police, my mum called the principal, and the principal said she didn't want to do anything. And this and vice principal didn't want to do anything. They didn't want to expel the kid, which doesn't make sense. They were gonna suspend him for two days or something like that. <laughs> and like that's a death sentence for a kid that's on the playground that's just dobbed someone in for something Mm. especially of that nature so you're sitting there i'm at home and like obviously my mom wants me to go to school when i when i'm at home because i'm i'm not home much i'm going down and competing and snowboarding so it's like school needs to be a safe place for me because i don't go there all the time yeah and teachers weren't so supportive of, of giving work to go away yeah so when i was at school i had to make the most of it and there was no sick days when i was at home when i was at like when i was there it was straight to school doesn't matter if you're sick, you're working your ass off, mm. and then you can go have fun when you go snowboarding. Um, so the kid got nothing, not in trouble yeah, the, at the, all. The, oh, I mean, what did the police do? Did the, the, the police came the next day and they found like possession of some very crazy stuff in his bag. I can't, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah but like just some random stuff, like weapons and stuff, we, like other yeah. knives. They found the knife. They found some drugs in his bag. Like he was a kingpin, yeah. kingpin kid, at the yeah. school. Yeah, he was that kid. Like. And, and they, and they and still they did didn't, nothing about they did it. nothing about it. They didn't want to expel him. Didn't want to expel That's him. Disgusting. Yeah. Two day um, suspension. But like the principal at the time was such a, I don't know, just didn't have any balls to like rope the school into like line or anything like that. Cause there was always something going on at the school and it just turns out unluckily that I had to be the brunt end of that. So Cause then psychologically, how do you must, how was the oh, next I, couple like, of years at school? I was shaky. Mm. Like uh, the rest of that year I was on edge. Like yeah. it was pretty, pretty heavy to go through that and then keep going to school. But anyway, so since the principal didn't want to do anything and the teachers didn't want to do anything, it then came down to my mom and I went to court wow. and we went like, we sat in the room with him and I was like, yeah, we're going to do a um, 50 meter AVO for the rest of my life. Like, you're not allowed to come near yeah. me, all this sort of stuff. Um, and then the school can't police that. There's no way. 50 meters and they yeah. ha- they'd have to employ people to be like, okay, he stays yeah. over here. So that's what we had, the measures we had to go to just to get this guy yeah. expelled, which it shouldn't ever have to get to that. If, if the teacher. If a kid pulls a knife on another kid, the yeah. kid's gone straight away. But- yeah, that, that's it makes sense in my head. But anyways, Since when you're like 13, you have to go through yeah, the court still, system for a kid yeah, pulling a knife on you at school. Yeah, this is my second Crazy. week of school. But I went through that. The kid got expelled. Um, and then 
his best friend at the time that was chasing me around at school too, he started then threatening to kill me, started pushing me downstairs. He started like, he started pretty much mm. what the other kid, yeah. well, uh, started off where the other kid finished pretty yeah. much. Um, and then he started going through that and then I had to go through the whole thing again. Wow. Like I had to go to the principal, principal didn't want to do anything, vice principal didn't want to do anything and then had to go through the court system again, police that. And then he ended up breaking the AVO three times had to go back into court, say where he broke the AVO, had to face him and his family and all this sort of stuff and then broke it again, walking home from school and like back into the system and like... Gnarly. Yeah, you just kind of like... It just defeats you. Like your headspace goes from being like, okay, sweet, like home safe, school safe to being like when I get back to coughs, like, okay, he's broken the AVO when I'm walking home from school. He's broken the AVO while I'm at school. Like, you, you kind of fall apart. Mm. Like... He's living in fear. Yeah, like, like the only safe place for me was to go snowboarding. Like, mm. you put a pair of goggles on, you had your mask on, your helmet on, like, your gear, and it's like you go away to be cool. Like, yeah. like the so pro escape. snowboarders. Yeah, yeah like, you, you can... Yeah, so, I mean, it was pretty... I don't know, I... I I will never understand it. And it happened for a reason, I guess, to learn something. Mm. Did, you, did you do any counseling and stuff after? No. So the school counselor, she was useless. Mm. Like she told me that snowboarding is not a real job and that I'm never going to go anywhere in life if I keep trying to snowboard. But what about like the situation that happened with No, I didn't want either. anything to do with it. She really? was just like, hands off. I don't want anything to do with it. Crazy how much like different systems in place are failing kids and just everybody yeah it's ugh, that it blows my mind that part of your story because you've shown me a video that you're going to release hopefully this year oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it to the good gym <laughs> listeners when it comes out because you do talk about that story but not as in depth as you did just then because i didn't know parts of that story and it, it just baffles me but i think it does set up a bit the rest of your story and overcoming something like that through your teen years it's going to be so hard to like stay focused on your snowboarding what was it like those next few years once you got to like year nine, 10, did you finish school? Yeah. So I went, kept snowboarding on and off. Like I wasn't doing full seasons till I was about 16. So like for me, snowboarding was like, go away, have fun with my dad, like put on the goggles mm. away from school. And then 16, it like really was like, okay, I'm having a red yeah. dig at this. But there was one kid who was related to one of the kids that broke the AVO and he was in my class and was just made my life living hell. Like there's nothing you could do about it because it's only like, yeah. it's just more like chirping in the background. Like if you put your hand up to ask a question or if you like say an answer or you start reading out, it's always just like little chirps in the background. Yeah. And like teacher, yeah, you can send them out of the classroom, but there's nothing you can. Just constant. Yeah. Const- just constant. Like, like ch- chattering. It's bullying. It's yeah. Just- it was, it was so nasty. And yeah, like, yeah, School was just never, never was a safe space for me or, at all or anything. Like it just kept like, it seemed like for me it just kept beating yeah. me into like you position. You weren't going there like, for education. You were nah. there just like I was going there to show face, say hi, my name's Matt. Yeah. I did this. Bye. Yeah. Like, it, and it's really hard to focus when you got consistent chirping from a kid in the background and the teachers don't care. Like they're not giving you work when you go away, even though you're asking pre in time, like mm-hmm. I'm going away on these dates. Can you give me some, something to keep up with? Yeah. Um, Man, I, this just makes your story so much more special after speaking to like Ben, how supportive his school was. And some athletes I've spoken to, the school can be very supportive. It sounds like you had like the smallest amount of support, like zero support. Yeah. 
like anti-support if anything, <laughs> like trying to deter you from your dream. Yeah. And to achieve what you have now, to be an Olympian, represent Australia, represent Australia at World Cups. Let's get into post high school. What were your dreams post high school? Were you like bang set on pro snowboarding? Were you sponsored? How was funding coming in? What was that transition like once you did start doing seasons? Yeah. So like once I started doing seasons, like from a young age, I was sponsored by like one of the surf companies, Rip Curl. And they like, they were such legends. Like they just give me gear and gear and gear and like kit me out with everything and anything that I wanted. Um, And then I hit kind of like the 17, 17, 18 year old mark. I was like doing distant education And then I was like finishing off like some mass work that I was like getting pretty close to finishing my schooling career. And then I I handed it in and then the years advisor at the time said, we didn't get your work. And I was like, what do you mean? I sent it. I've got proof that I've sent it. Here's like everything. And he's like, no, I don't believe you. You didn't send it in. And then I went went through and then he like expelled me from the school was like that's it like this is it cough still no nah, this is at like cannon haven high okay. this is like a distant education specialist school okay and then so he said i misplaced my work and yada 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 he ended up finding the work in the in the math teachers thing unmarked and all this sort of stuff so she's either misplaced it or didn't want to do it and then so i've already been expelled so i was like super close to finishing school but then got kicked out Pretty much right before I could finish. And they had you... Fuck, man. You yeah, had, and like, couldn't... the amount of unfortunate, like, <laughs> stitch-ups you've gone through. Yeah. Blows my mind. So, for me, school is just a stitch-up. And going away snowboarding was like, okay, yeah, I get to, like... This Blonde. is me. Yeah, yeah. Like, put my goggles on, ready In to roll. element. Yeah, yeah. So, I started, like... Like, had heaps of support from my family until I was 18. Like, and tremendous amounts of support from my dad like i wouldn't none of this would be possible without him he is everything i do on a snowboard today with like the coaching that i've had the that's from day one being backed by him like Mm. it's insane i and i I am forever grateful for that like don't get me wrong like my mom was always there 100 percent. she wasn't financially in the position to Mm, like for that as much. yeah so i'm like i i understand that but my mum was also in the corner of like she was still pushing me but just mm. in a different way and having two pillars pushing you in different ways is like um, was amazing it set me up and it pushed me through all those times at school like mm. all the all the all the put downs all the everything and it just kept me going so and then i kind of like took a leg on my own when I was like 19 started getting things sorted like a little bit and then like if I needed to fall back like my mum and dad were always like okay if you're really struggling like we can still support yeah. you but like just like we want you to try yeah. and do this yourself and then I hit around about 20 21 roughly and then one of the companies five came along and was like okay sweet dude this is where you can improve this is we're going to back you this we're going to do this and we're going to do that like mm. and just kind of pushed me in the right direction gave me the right nudge so what are you doing for work from 18 to 20 um so i was like doing some surf coaching in the morning i was on the tools with my sister's f- current fiance like a little bit here there and everywhere and then um and is up in coughs yeah up in coughs when i had my time off and then i was at nights, I was online selling snowboard gear, like on the computer. So, like, I'd go snowboarding all day and then I'd talk about snowboard gear all night pretty much. Um, and then once, yeah, once I hit, like, 20 to 21. Were you competing and, like, quite yeah, successful yeah, still, through yeah, these Yeah, competing, years? like, World Cups, like, and doing those World Cups by myself, like, not traveling with, like, a crew or anyone like that. It was just me, like, traveling around the world competing. How do you Cups. get into these, like, World Cups and stuff, like, qualification? So, it's really, it's... 
it doesn't make any sense yeah. the qualification for world cups like at the end of the day the governing body which is ski and snowboard australia um they decide who gets to compete and there's no other other competitions at the moment that's an open event or anything like that so if you piss them off there's no competing mm-hmm. like yeah like and it's it's crazy how much how many cards they hold but i was lucky enough to be come through the ranks with them and like do some Europa Cups, which is like a QS event. I yeah. did some um, QS is like the surfing event, yeah. sorry, Challenger Series yeah, now. Equivalent. Yeah, 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 yeah. For those of you who understand the surf tour, um, and then you go through like there's some there's some QS events in Australia called like the um, ANC Cup, and you can qualify a World Cup spot or like Australia has a World Cup spot, so you can kind of use the Australian spot or have your own World Cup spot. In the past, I've had my own, luckily. Yeah. Um. So it's yeah, it's been pretty. I've kind of, I haven't lucked into it, but I've kind of, I've had some push in the right direction to get me yeah. into those World Cups. But the problem is once you get there, it's just, it's me against the rest of the field. And the rest of the field, like, you're talking physios, you're talking coaches, you're talking like, like they've got everything going Unlimited for Unlimited budget. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I understand it is only 1%, but 1% makes the difference. Oh, like you add up 10, 1%. Yeah. You're like, you're looking at the whole, yeah. Like you're staying in better hotels, you got access to better facilities yeah, you got like, access to you're not support. you're not you're not grounding around for food you're not like like there's one camp we have every year in switzerland and like i get there i just go like vegetarian because i can't afford to buy meat there so like i'm i've bought a vegetarian cookbook so i'm not like depriving myself of proteins or anything like that oh. but that's what it's come to at that particular place because it's like i just can't afford meat there <laughs> like, it, it, it blows my mind and i've said this to you last year like you had to miss one of your world cup events because you couldn't afford it, yeah. Yeah, like, and that was such a serious event for qualifying for the Olympics, but I ran out of money. Like, mm. and if it wasn't for my girlfriend and my girlfriend's family, like, letting me, like, stay there for free and, like, f- feeding me and treating me like like their mm. own son. Like, that. honestly, they... My mom and dad have helped me so much and, like, still without them, I wouldn't have been able to go to the Olympics for sure. But, yeah. like, in the past two years, like, with it wasn't for Ilsa and um, Hjertz Mans, like... Like, I, I don't know whether I would have qualified, like, to be dead honest with you. Because I was, I could go away and I could go compete at these World Cups, come back, and then I'd, I could have a reset point where I'm like, okay, I'm not, not tapping. Money, my, yeah, I'm yeah. not burning through my card. Like, because once you start converting Aussie dollars, like, our dollars, pretty oh, bad. And you're going to the snow. For anyone yeah. who's been to the snow, no matter where you are <laughs> in the world, it's going to be expensive. Yeah, and they, then, yeah. They jack up the price. And just like not having like sponsorship money and stuff like that makes it so hard. And that's something when you told me last year, you're like, oh, I couldn't even afford to go to the event. I'm like, that's like one of my dream goals for Good Human Factory is to like grow the merch to a point where I can give my ambassadors money in scenarios like yours. Because I'm like, how the hell is the best in Australia at Slopestyle and Big Air, top 20 in the world in a sport, can't afford to get to events like... I get this stuff's expensive and I understand the marketing of sponsorship, but hopefully someone out there listening right now has a business or something because I can attest for every part of good humanness that... (coughs) (coughs) Pardon me. (laughs) You're doing all right there, mate? (laughs) I almost died. Um, But yeah, as a representative for a brand, I think you're incredible. That's why I'm so proud to have you as a good human. I wish I could do more than I do for you, but I... um, We'll see. I've got a few contacts. We're gonna okay. tr- we're gonna try and make something work in the next year because I hate seeing people who deserve a bit more support not getting it, and especially like you're representing the country. 
and you can't even afford to go to the events. Like, yeah. Like, and like the next generation of kids coming up who want to go for slope style, who want to go for big air, it's like they got no one to even look to if you can't even go to the events. Like, <laughs> I think um, hopefully anyone out there listening, if you own a sports brand or something that you could support Maddie with, um, get in contact. We will leave all these show notes stuff. But let's get into competing. Yeah. What's um, been, um, let's talk through that event in New Zealand, the one. Oh yeah, one? that I remember that one. Yeah, hundred percent. That's where I got fifth place at um in Cadrona. Yeah, and With, you ended up yeah. getting like what we they called you like the happy snowboarder. Yeah, I sound like that. I I can't quite remember exactly what they called me, but yeah, no. So that was the first finals that I made in a World Cup, and that to me was just like okay, I'm starting to break. Through. How many are competing in a World Cup? Sixty or seventy men. Okay, so there's like a lot of people in there. Yeah, like it's okay, and it's and I mean this wholeheartedly anyone can win it's not mm. it's not old mate over here yeah yeah it's kind of like surfing yeah it's like there's just favorites that win pretty often but then you can have a mad day and stick a few things 100 percent. yeah so like that event i was like one trick was really feeling really good and i was like you know what? i'm sticking with it i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that like and the trick was a front 14 off the toes which no one was doing at the time i don't think many people are still doing it but um yeah it was working really well I have a very special connection with that place in Cadrona. I've spent quite a bit of time there. And that jump, um, I hit it the last year. Um, Thomas McRae, he was like a park builder and he built it massive. And I learned every single trick that I could do for the past while, I learned on that jump that he built. Mm. And he passed away after that season. And he was just, just a car incident and it was so sad. But that place will always hold a special like... I don't know. You get there for me and it's like, oh, wow. Like this is Tommy's jump. Like I'm not going to like, I got to do him proud. Like he set that up and I've learned all these tricks on that jump Mm. when he first set it up or like the last year he set it up. Like I'm going to like, I'm balls to the wall. This is, yeah, this is my time to shine. So that place I get goosebumps there even when I go hit it on a normal day because it's like, big yeah yeah do you want to explain how big your jumps are for people like let's explain your course because people might not know what slope style snowboarding is do you want to explain like what your what you do in your runs yeah so um big air consists of uh, a jump and a landing and it has to be at least 17 meters um that's a minimum um this jump in new zealand that i'm talking about that's my favorite jump varies from like 23 meters to about 26 meters May push it maybe a little bit. Yeah, the gap between the lip and the knuckle. That that's not to the sweet spot where, where you, you land. land that's it, like yeah. just over the knuckle. And how fast are you going when you hit the jump? Um, so when that jump was built and I was learning all those tricks, I think we were clocked out on the takeoff at like ninety three or ninety eight kilometers somewhere between there. Someone had a speed gun. I'm not sure whether it was Ugh. calibrated or so anything, but it was yeah. Like if you come unstuck and yeah, you're not you're not going to be mm-hmm. having a great time. <laughs> yeah. So. That event, you end up getting fifth. And to put it into context for people out there listening, I'm going to compare this to surfing because that's all I know. Yeah. But I have never in my whole career, which people know me as this pro surfer, got in the top five in the world in an event. I've got top five in the secondary tour events, but the world tour event, I've never even surfed an event to get in the top 32 in the world. So to be in the top five in the world in something is a spectacular feat. And then as well to pile on top of that to be an Australian snowboarder where we have, let's face it, the sh- some of the shittest snow in the world. I've never snowboarded anywhere <laughs> no, else, yeah, so I don't yeah. really know. No, like, but from all reports from yeah. all of my great snowboard friends, Australia is not the best place in the world to snowboard. No, God, no. But it's phenomenal that we do have such 
talented athletes from Australia, guys like Chumpy, God bless him, um, Nate, Scotty, Nate, yeah. Scotty James, um, Ken Callister, like yeah, Valentino, like it's crazy how many incredible snowboarders we have, and you're one of them. So yeah, tell us what happened in that event. How was? Yeah, I, I mean, and like, was that in Big Air or Slope? That was Big Air. Okay. So that was like my first finals. My like, it's like and it's, finals is top eight out of the seventy. Yeah, uh, top. Sometimes it's, they change it all the time. Sometimes yeah. it's top 14, sometimes it's top 12, sometimes it's top 6, sometimes it's top 8. Okay. But this event, I think it was top 10. Okay. Um, we had finals going on. It was a bit windy. Everyone was a little spooked by it. Yeah. And there was a few guys, okay, like, let's just drop, like, get it over and done with. Like, we need to run this event. Like, everyone needs mm. points here for the next games. Like, yeah. this is where we're starting to get into the serious sort of side of things. So we're three years out from the Olympics. Like, okay, let's, like... Everyone nut up and mm. let's go. Like, um, so I was like going through that. Like, um, there was some like Oz people there. Like Leon, he's a, he's the ski coach. He was at the start gate with me as well, and he was hyping me up, which is always good. And like, they had like Tess Cody's coach stand there, um, like which was some support, um, which I thought that support was going to continue throughout the next mm. three years. So I was like, I was try- starting to buy into it and starting to go all these things. And then, um, but we'll get into that. And then, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. It just kind of like, like I said, it was like that place gives me goosebumps every time yeah. I go there. It was starting to click. And that's where my career was starting to like, okay, I'm starting to form into my own snowboarder. I'm starting to be my own, my mm. own competitor. Like things are going to start falling into place. And then, go from that world cup in New Zealand, that big air. We then went to China for air and style. And I ended up um, making it into finals with the same bag of tricks that I took from Kadrona ended up ninth at that event. Um, and then went to Atlanta with the same bag of tricks and then landed what I was thinking was a really good run and didn't get the score quite what I wanted, but that's okay. Like that was the big mm. side of things done. And then we moved into slope style and slope style is, um, an array of features, usually six, seven, eight, um, with like, um, handrails, you know, like the rails when yeah. you're walking downstairs or you see you skaters hitting a park. Yeah. yeah. But they're usually a bit higher than what skaters are. Actually, that's a lie. Cause some much skaters higher. are mental. Yeah. But they're big. Be, be. <laughs> Go your average skater. It's much higher than what your average skater is hitting. Um, and then we've got, uh, like sometimes we have like a miscellaneous feature, which is either like a knuckle or like, uh, like, uh, half pipe hit, which is like in skating, they have like the quarter pipe mm. and the half pipe. So they have like them cut out in snow. Yeah. Sorry. Just yeah. touch the mic. Um, and then you have like a two jumps, three jumps roughly. And then maybe a feature at the bottom to finish it off. Um, and that slope style. So I was like going into the slope style and I was like kind of getting close to finals that year um maybe like one spot out and then i don't think i made finals that year in slope um i think i like most events i was like one or two spots out and then coming around and then covid kicked in and like put the brakes on everything like Mm. completely jammed everything up in 2020 and that's when things started getting like everyone's backing off a little bit and everyone was relaxing and all that sort of stuff which I think was pretty detrimental to my career because I was like, I starting to build that confidence, starting to get the roller coaster. Yeah, and I was starting to back myself quite heavily. Um, But at the time, they've invented this thing um, called a landing bag. And for those people who don't know what an airbag is or a landing bag, it's a a big inflatable balloon or pillow. And it's put like a landing. And all these guys during COVID have had time on an airbag. And Australia's only got one 
in February this year while the Olympics was going on. So, like, yeah, yeah. we missed out so much. And then, yet again, like, when I when I went overseas in 2020, there was, I could have access to this airbag. I got two days on it because it's pretty expensive to get yeah. access to. And, like, at one point I was weighing up, I was like, okay, am I going to buy groceries for the week or am I going to go get airbag time? And I made that call once where I didn't buy groceries for the week and went on the airbag and then... I was on two minute noodles that like for a while. And then I was like, I can't do that anymore. I just can't afford to yeah. access this. And so the past three years, like but leading into this Olympics, I've missed the eight ball on airbag because everyone else is going on airbag and everyone's doing all these crazy tricks and all that sort of stuff. And I've had very limited time on it and I couldn't like, I started falling behind a little bit technically in a couple mm. areas um, so I like, I pushed myself some more on snow and like pushed and pushed and pushed. And luckily I've pushed myself and I haven't come unstuck and I haven't, haven't broken anything. Um, and I like, I've had been pretty in the clear. So yeah, there's only so far you can push without an airbag though. Like mm. I used to think, nah, airbags, this airbags are lame, all this sort of stuff. But it really is like everyone in our sport is on a bag learning these new tricks new tricks and i'm still working on snow trying to learn these tricks that they they've learned on a bag and i'm trying to push with them but you can't keep up with them when you don't have access that safety no you don't know like they can go and land on their head a million times and then figure it out on the a millionth one time wow that's how i do that and then they've unlocked a cheat code almost and like and then you don't get a million hits on snow when you especially if you fall yeah if you're landing on your back and you wind yourself you're sitting there going and I've had that plenty or of times. Or you're breaking yourself properly. Yeah, like, so it's, yeah, it's been pretty rough kind of negotiating this whole, like, do I eat? Do I go on an mm. airbag? Am I going to do this training camp? Am I going to be able to afford to do this? Am I going to be able to afford, yeah. afford to fly to this event? So you're kind of trying to play your cards to your chest because you don't want anyone to see exactly what you've got, but you want to, like, you want to be on the airbag and you you want to be doing these preseason camps because in October there's a world cup, but there's no snow anywhere other than this private camp that's on the glacier or so like you're like, but if I rock up to this event and I haven't snowboarded since the Australian season, then I'm falling behind the apex because everyone else has been on snow and you're just rocking up fresh off the boat. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's like there's just a huge array of challenges oh, being an Aussie snowboarder. But then on yeah. top of that, with the lack of support you've had, it's crazy to see how far you've come, man. Like you should be so proud of yourself because you. without support, it can be very easy to give up on a dream. Yeah. So often people who are athletes and don't get that push in the right direction or that support and need to really rely on that intrinsic motivation and that dream, a lot of people give up. And it's so cool that you're still chipping away at it and you've made the Olympic team this year. What was that like? Let's talk about the Olympic journey. The Olympics was sick. I was so stoked um, coming into it. I was like all fired up. I like I had a cab 14 and for someone that doesn't understand terminology, it's going switch and you spin to your right if you're... Uh, so, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> you spin a lot. Yeah, you spin a lot. Let's go with three that times, one. Three times, yeah, four, four full four, 360s. Four, four, four yeah. full 360s going um, through the air, 90 kilometers spinning. an hour. Yeah, yeah. So like I, I, I brought that. I had it down pat. I was ready to roll. Um, I got, I like flew to what China. What about the qualification process? Let's rewind just yeah. shortly. Okay, yeah, yeah. So speaking of like Harry Garside recently and a few other people, like the process of getting picked in the team can be quite difficult. And I remember watching your socials, like it was a pretty cool moment when you found out you're in. Yeah, so 
in 20 in 2020 2021 they released a brand new system to qualify because they counted some events from before and yeah then, because they're trying to make yeah do they're trying with to COVID, yeah yeah so we ended up having some events from 2019 count and then we had the 2020 2021 season so we had those events and i did pretty well at a few events but then coming i went to all those world cups and all this sort of stuff and then coming into march like i couldn't afford to go to that one world cup which was could have been the difference between not qualifying and qualifying um and i couldn't afford to go there and i i told the people um at the, at the government i was like hey guys i can't it's afford to go Australia, to this yeah yeah like the, like and are you getting a little bit of money off your sponsors but that's kind of burned out yeah like i get like five is helping so much yeah. like they are the main bread yeah legends. but that's one company like yeah. i can't expect them to oh, support costs, a full full dream like it's like, i remember my, my surf career it cost me minimum 50 grand a year for travel and expenses you're on the snow i can imagine it's more than that <laughs> it's so, hectic yeah it's hectic yeah so like expecting one company to front the bill for everything like you like mm. i'm so grateful for clive the guy who owns the company he has backed me so much and taught me so much and given me so much but yeah cool you can't like i i, I did not feel comfortable calling up and being like hey like because he got me to all those other world cups yeah yeah it's like can't rely on him again yeah i'm not gonna call him up and be like yo can we go for another little bit because it's not is there prize money in all the world cup events yeah but you're, you're like not coming nothing. Trip. yeah like if you win you're winning eight grand usd and that's like that's one that, that's the, that's your cost to get to the yeah, event so you exactly. kind of like if you're winning every event, yeah, maybe you're like... Breaking then, even. <laughs> yeah, you're breaking even, exactly. Like So it all relies on sponsorship. But Yeah, but a lot of these other snowboarders, they have their sponsorship putting money in their bank account. And most snowboarders have family money. If they've yeah. been snowboarders from a young kid... like. But then they of... also have these national teams putting money in their bank account. Uh, so they're not touching their bank account with the money coming in from the sponsors. They're, they're getting like know. government money to help pay for it and stuff like that. And yes, there are a few places and a few teams that aren't getting government money to go into this like i'm pretty sure the u.s team don't put money into their people to go places or anything like that but they, they pay for the house so, yeah they pay for and the they get paid so much for their sponsors yeah like but at the end of the day the u.s team just as an example um they're paying for like a camp to go here like the accommodation everything's all paid for lift yeah. tickets your food's paid for all yada 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 yeah. but then i just know that from one of my friends who used to be on the u.s team a while ago um but then for me, it's like I'm paying all myself to go to this camp. And I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here complaining yeah, about nah, money or anything all. like that. But I'm just trying to... You're just real. Yeah, just trying to get people to wrap, wrap their heads around about like... The I'm not living... I'm not living some high, crazy flyer Pro snowboarder, exactly. Yeah, That's it's the thing like you I'm... Tell, say someone pro snowboarder, but I'm sure everyone listening to this will be blown away by the resilience you've shown through your high school years, but then also through your snowboard career. It's like you've been built to deal with challenges and you've done such a great job doing it thank you thank you but yeah i like so yeah let's go olympics yeah let's go olympics like that, that so your qualification period is you have to be in top 30 in the world at the end of the two years before you get to the olympics covid a few little mm. rules and regulations but that's the simplest way so the two years before the olympics you do your world cups you have to be in the top yeah. 30 by that so coming into the last event i was sitting in 29th with some pretty red hot guys on my heels like like, oh my God, like I could potentially get knocked out here at this event in Switzerland. Anyway, so I forgot it all. I was like, okay, just dump it all away. Who cares? Like the Olympics is just another event. Like head down, work your ass off. Let's go. Like yeah. got in the start gate for um, quality run number one. Um, 
put it like a, a semi-decent rundown and was like, okay, sweet. Like kind of worked a little bit. Like there's some numbers on the board, but I'm not sitting comfortable. So I went for another run, put, put, a, put another run down that was like better, got a little bit more of a score and was like, didn't get the score I wanted, but I just squeaked through to semifinals. And that means I'm qualified for the Olympics. See. So I squeaked through to semifinals. Like I was sitting at the bottom waiting, like hoping like the last guy to come. I was like, I don't want you to crash, but please just like do a small mistake. So that way at least I can like move through to this next round. And I was bubble boy. I was like last one through to get through to semifinals. And then he kind of put a hand down and I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Come on judges. Just please ridicule him. Like you ridicule me when I put my hands down, came down to the bottom and they kind of like gave him a pretty shitty score. And I was like, I felt bad. Cause like it wasn't that bad of a score, but I was like all stoked. Cause I was like, yeah, I've just qualified for the games all hyped up the next day. I had semifinals and like, I probably did one of the better runs that I've done in my life. Like everything worked first run perfectly. And then I came back to the start gate for second run and was like, I don't, care about like what i do right now i just want to go have fun like so i just dropped in and just did like a stupid run i was like i don't care for qualify for finals like i'm here to my my goal this year is qualify for the games and then have a crack at the podium at the games like Mm. that's that's what this was building up to anyway so that last run i was like got down to the bottom went home and then i found out i was in finals i was like shit i'm not like I got to go through to finals. I got to wake up early and go again tomorrow. I was like, I'm not, I wasn't mentally prepared for this. Like I, I, I didn't have anyone in my back ear being like, Hey, this, yeah. like, you might be into finals with that run. Like I was still like, I was still in that present moment of like, Oh yeah, no, not I even made that. the Olympics. Yeah. Like, like that, job done. Yeah. Job done. Like I, I, maybe that wasn't the present moment. That's a bit too far. Like maybe that's mm. a future moment that I should have been like, See, okay. This is where a coach is so important to have yeah. that, like bring you back down. Just like, that hey, 1%, just try to pull win you back. this comp. Like, yeah. why, don't focus on the Olympics. Like you're here, this comp, you're in the finals, make it happen. Yeah. So anyway, like didn't care, had finals the next day. And like, obviously I was just on another planet. Like I wasn't present there. I was like, I just qualified for the games. Like, I don't care. This is what the last four years of just like trying to get, trying to achieve to then have mm. a crack at the, like the podium at the games. Like you're just sitting there. You're like, Oh fuck. I finally get to have yeah. a crack at this. Like I finally get to like have like yeah. a red hot dig. Like it's not sitting at home from the couch, watching it being like mm. yada, yada, yada. Um, anyway, so I just like made a few mistakes in my finals, just some silly stuff, rookie errors. And then, um, went through all like the COVID testing and all this sort of things to qualify for the games, got on my flight to go there. It was just me and other athletes and like a few support staff on there. And I'm going there by myself. Surely the government pays for that. Yeah. They pay the for the flight. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. Don't worry. I like, that was, I was sitting on the plane. And I was like, I don't have to pay for this. And I was hmm. like, so stoked. Oh uh, yeah. It, there's nothing like a free flight. Mm. <laughs> like it is honestly the best thing since sliced bread and I'm hyped on it. So yeah, got my pl- trip paid to the, like, games. Didn't have to pay for anything while I was there. Like, came out of it and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, so I got to China. There was no one there to greet me from the Oz team from at the airport or anything like that. I think that might have been due to COVID things. Um, but then so lost. I then got on the wrong bus and went to, like, the village in the town. So the town village is, like, 30 minutes from the airport and the mountain village is, like, six hours from the airport. So I got in the wrong bus, went to the um, town village and then came back and was like, oh, my God, how am I in the wrong spot? Came back, then got on the bus to the um, mountain village and then walked into the mountain village and, like, no one was greeting me there at the front door and I was already kind of, like, deflated. I was like, guys, like, 
like I, I qualified for the games and there's no one even greeting me here. There's no one on the plane with me. There's no one. So it kind of like took the wind right out underneath my feet that it wasn't like, that's crazy. Like, pull your finger out. Yeah, guys, come on. Like, It's I... just disappointing to hear that because I'm sure there's support staff there that were with other athletes that might have had a... Like, I understand supporting the athletes that have a good chance for the thing, but when you're representing your country wearing green and gold at the Olympi- at the, at, yeah, the, the Winter Olympics, to not have someone, like, guiding you your way through, and especially in a country like China in a pandemic, it's... Because I know the surfers that went, like, had an amazing support staff. Like, had five different coaches. They had as many coaches as there were <laughs> athletes. Yeah. Whereas I can understand there's far more snowboarders maybe than surf. Obviously, yeah, yeah. it's way more. But it just baffles me. Hopefully, someone's listening to this and gets their finger pulled out a bit. <laughs> yeah. Because it just annoys me, like, that you're obviously such a talented athlete. And who knows where you could be if you did have a bit more support from... For one, the government and the um, Snow Australia. For two, sponsorship. And yeah, just I'm, I'm pissing me off that hasn't been... I mean, I don't know the snow industry that well. Yeah, so it's... I'm just saying based off what I know of you and what I've spoken to you, but it's like, why hasn't there been a coach just be like, fuck yeah, Maddie, let's do this. Like, like the, the, the one thing that I get told is it's like results talk. Mm. But I've gotten results. I know it's not podium stuff, but you need help to get to the podium. Like mm. anyone who's been on the podium... And I, I, I've tried retracing all of their steps and it's like had, they went from here and they've had help here pushing them here. Exactly. The government has helped or a sponsor yeah. has helped push them mm. here. And like... and I, It's very hard to get there without support. Yeah, it really is. Like rocking up to the Olympics by yourself and then like being there by yourself and then one of the coaches that isn't my coach that hasn't turned up to any training, turned up to a couple events, like was then trying to push... And tell you what to do. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, you haven't turned up to anything else. Don't try and act like you're the man now. And, like, I told him once, I was like, no, I'm all good by myself. And I thought that would be enough. And then I told supporting staff, I was like, I don't need his help. I'm good. Can you relay that message? And it just never was relayed. So, I mean, yeah, you're standing at, like, the epitome of, of, of sport, like the Olympics, and it's it was just such a... A shit show for lack of better words. Like, so, and not that, once again, it is 1% and, and, and the rest of it, it does come from yourself, but it just like, it deflated me before I even like got there and it took the wind out underneath my feet. But yeah, I like, I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here complaining or anything like that. Cause like, I really do. I love snowboarding mm. and I will do it to the day that I die. Yeah. And I love competing. I'm so competitive and I'm so hungry. Like yeah. I got a few things in my head that I want to try and figure out. And I'm like, I want to put them into competition runs and I want to start like, mm. I, I, I don't sign up to a competition and, and say, yeah, I'm happy with the results that I'm getting. I'm, yeah, I'm you're striving. For better. I'm striving to be on the podium. I'm striving to be on top of the podium. Mm. And like the way that I'm working now, it hasn't worked. So I'm going to change things up. I'm yeah. going to try and do something different. I'm, I'm forever trying to better myself as a competitive snowboarder and I'm asking questions from other coaches and like people around me, but no one, no one knows the full picture with me. So they can't really give me the best advice to be like, Hey, think about over here. Like Mm. that one coach at the Olympics who was trying to coach me, like he hasn't once turned up to a training camp where I was, or even sent me a message at like one of the training camps being like, have you got any videos that you want me to go through? Like Mm. it's, like he's reached out before, like, but it was already too late. Like, I'm like, dude, you haven't, 
Yeah, I've been here. You haven't been here. Like, you need to be here and build a connection with me. And I consistently get is like, you need to build a connection with us. You need to do this. You need to do that. So it's so easy. Well, it's funny. You're the talent. That's uh, Yeah, that's... It's, yeah. Yeah. The athletes are talent. It's crazy. Some organizations sometimes get a bit big for their head and feel like their role is more important than what it is. It's like, you don't have a role unless the athlete, but anyway, I don't want to go into, no, no, a, no, I don't yeah. want to go into a sport politics. No, 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 no. Sports politics but, but, is insane. Let's, but anyway, go into, let's go into the Olympics. I want to talk about yeah. your runs. So like I, I was having amazing trainings, like everything started lining up, trying to figure out my runs, like at slope style. I was like, there was one mile on the left that was massive and super long. And I was like trying to figure out a trick onto there. And it was just called a switchback 270 pullback. Somehow that worked every time. And I was like, Oh my God. And then we had like this little roof on the left and I was doing front ones on and then switchback ones off and then the switchback five off was working. And then I was like, I figured out another little rail line down the bottom. And then I was like, okay, if I, it started all flowing and started getting into the groove of things. And it was like, it really was going super well. And then we came into competition day and first run I fell due to nerves. I was just like so nervous up there. Mm. I didn't, I was just sitting there. I was like, holy shit. Like (laughs) this is what's happening right now. Like how do I... I, I, I was a little too anxious, I think. And I think that just comes from immaturity yeah. with competing. So I, I need to... Had you, have you ever worked with a sports psychologist? Uh, yeah, I've worked with a couple. Um, but not consistently and not like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing that I'm looking to do more of and mm. start building connections and relationships and stuff. Like I've worked with Matt Griggs over the years and... He's such a legend and he's helped me so far to get where I am. Um, and he's introduced me to like Keely meditation and, um, and helped me just separate a lot of the things in the past that used to cloud my mind. And yeah, but I, I just, I wasn't prepared for the, the adrenaline, the nerves when you get in that start gate, cause you're standing up there and it's, it's a bit ghetto behind the start gate. It's just like minus 30, everyone's standing around talking to their coaches and stuff like that. And like you're standing in the start gate and there's just this dude with a big like TV camera and like one guy in the start gate being like, yep, you're ready to drop in 30 seconds. Like you better drop like TV is not waiting for you. Like Mm. we're going. So you're standing there, you're like (sighs) doing my deep breaths. I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Like this is happening right now. Like I'm not, I don't know. The first round I just like wasn't in the rhythm. I wasn't like, Mm. going dropped into the switchback 270 perfect and was like oh this line's gonna lace itself if this trick's worked it's 100 percent gonna work for the rest mm. of the day and then front one on switchback five off and just like wrong access took off on my front foot and just put me into a weird cork where you can't land on your feet properly mm. and land and just fell on my butt and i was like my god i know exactly what i did wrong there i was too far ahead of myself i needed to be in the present one trick at a time mm. and was like mm damn i like completely just blew that then but i was like okay i got a second run keep it light keep it friendly yada 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 i got down the bottom i had the head the the ski coach and maybe two other of the australian people there like supporting me whereas i've seen like a few other other people competing and there was the whole team there and i'm like mm. oh, what the hell like it deflated me even more i was like you kidding me like i have hardly anyone there and i'm, I'm not that i'm looking for justification yeah. off people but kind of bummed me out, got back on the chairlift and I was like, no, f- screw everyone. I got this shit in the yeah. bag. Like I can do this. And I went back, flipped my mind game, was all stoked, dropped in for the second round, switched back two worked, went onto the um, roof that worked, went to the next rail that worked, went to the next jump that worked perfectly, went to the next jump that worked perfectly, then took off for the last trick, which was a cab 14, which I was talking about earlier, landed 
and then just landed in a bit of like firm snow and went to dig my toe edge in and it just wouldn't catch and my upper body kept rotating and when you're spinning that much you need to like engage your core you need to engage your snowboard and i was engaging my core and it like like trying to fight it fight it and then just slipped out and was just like my god i was so close to just having that everything click and like i think if i landed that run and i've had a chat to the judges like yeah you would have been through to the finals like of course Mm. but that's the luck of the day and one of my buddies who um one of the norwegian boys was on the bubble and he was like kind of hoping that like like i put a hand out nothing crazy but he was like yeah he's like stoked for me to land a run to get something done but he's also kind of like obviously yeah Yeah. it's an individual sport he wanted to land but then i got over my moment i was like i was so stoked that he made it through to the finals because i was like i love watching him snowboard so i was like is catch 22 but like how'd you deal with the disappointment of falling because i know you were pretty yeah i disappointed after yeah watching your socials and speaking to you after it you're pretty disappointed but i mean I'm pretty sure I was one of the people who would have sent you a message being like, bro, take a step back and have a look at like what you've achieved. Yeah. But obviously in the moment we all want to succeed and win. So yeah. how was that for you to deal with after losing or after falling on being that close to making the finals of the Olympics, which you'd worked so hard for for years? Yeah, like that's, it was best word for it, deflating. Mm. Like you just, like the adrenaline stops, you feel like your heart beats way slower, you start to like... Damn, like, just detach from reality. yeah you just start to det- like you, you just like that just one simple thing of like maybe pausing my eyes and looking down and slowing that end of the rotation down a little bit would have been mm. me and if. the fact of actually having a shot at the podium for a change yeah. like and it, it, it yeah i i don't know it's it was, it was real similar to a feeling of helplessness that i had in school with like the bullying and stuff like mm. it was really like I haven't gone back to that point in my life very much, but that's comparable, that feeling of like just yeah, just deflated. Mm. Yeah, so it really just took it out of me. And then it was really hard to get ready for the next event after that too because it was so close. And then I, I went into big air trying to find new energy and new life and I just couldn't, I couldn't master my own brain to be like, come on, like let's go mm. through it. Like I was still enjoying myself and I, I was still enjoying snowboarding, but I, I needed almost like... I just need someone to give me a kick in the ass when I was mm. there. Just being like, come on, mate, like get out of your sob. Sorry. It's over now. Time to move yeah. on. Let's go. And then just like, couldn't pull it together for big air and just made some, once again, some rookie mistakes that I've learned so much from. But I think rookie's is the perfect word for it. It's your first Olympics. It's a yeah, stage that you've like, never been on. Sounds like you've had a lack of support from the Australian, like psychology, the Australian coaching staff. So like, you should be so proud of what you've achieved basically off your own bat i mean i don't really know the story so i'm not going to try and defend you yeah, or yeah. them but yeah, no, it no, sounds no, no, like yeah. it's a, um stuff needs to change but that was earlier this year what's um what's coming up next for you so i'll just go after the olympics i went to clapping in sweden for a filming trip with one of my buddies vlad and jimmy and my girlfriend Laran. and that was like it, the lifts are open till 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. at night and the sunset like gets real mm. late that far north and like get some crazy footage and did some snowboarding there and it was so insane like that was the best fun I've had snowboarding in I think the past three years like mm. just to decompress from everything and like all that sort of stuff like and just have fun on a snowboard because realistically like so at the end of the day that's all I'm looking for and I every time I strap in I'm always having fun even though I have moments that it's deflating like 
it's for me it's real similar to like people that surf go out and have a surf or people that go for a run put some music in and like mm. they find that inner peace and i find that inner peace in in snowboarding and like to finally have that again and find it and i was like damn like it's starting to click again everything and i like started having ideas pop in my head and i started like okay how am i going to approach things that was like so i have this new life in mm. me and i feel like maybe a bit more mature and i've been talking to like other athletes and how are they dealing with this and how are you moving forward and all this sort of stuff. Like, and I, I, I've, yeah, like it's the next four years, I'm going to approach it so differently to how I did the last four years, because I know you can burn yourself really quickly. And yeah. I know you need a lot of fresh energy and you need a lot of this. And so it's been, yeah, trying to search for the next, next cycle, as you would, would say, um, how I'm going to do it. And I, I recently had a meeting with, um, the government and, it was it was a very interesting meeting because I like I asked to have this meeting and I pushed for it and I was like hey I want to have a meeting with like mm. the people behind the closed doors like I want to I want to talk to you like what did you guys see from the outside like this is what I saw from the inside and it was a really a really positive meeting like they're just like yeah we want you to change as an athlete we want you to be like this we want you to be that and I was like okay I understand that but I need support mm. I can change as an athlete all I want and that's maybe that's sixty percent of the puzzle or maybe that's ninety nine percent of the puzzle but what's the one percent like. Mm. A common, de- a common denominator that I'm missing and for me that was like okay like Scotty James had a private coach Tess Cody had a private coach Valentino had a private coach like a bunch of the are guys are there coaches from Snow Ozzo or are there sponsors putting that up a bunch of them are there they're getting money for the government to help pay for those coaches yeah um, I don't know how much they're getting because it's all pretty yeah, yeah. yeah that's just normal yeah. normal business yeah um but some of them are putting up their own money and all this sort of stuff, but I've just never been in a position. So I asked them, I was like, Hey, can we get another coach? All this and that. And like, just doesn't seem does. Apparently there's not enough resources and all this sort of but stuff. Can you have. just tap into one of the other coaches? Like if they're already doing stuff with the other guys, yeah, like, it's, can you create like a little team with any of them? Yeah. It's, it's really hard. Cause it's finding the right person as well. That and, works with you. Yeah. Yeah. And finding the right, I don't know, mix and match. It's like, it's like going to work and trying to find like, the right workplace it's for like you. trying to find the psychologist that works for you trying to yeah. find a coach that works well with 100%. you 100 percent. so yeah i mean it's the next four years is really going to be trying to find a support team and trying to build from there um and hopefully finding some sponsors and some funding <laughs> yeah like beautiful listeners out there if you've got any leads make sure you let us know yeah but i mean like i mean i, I, I don't want to sit here and say that like and I hope people aren't listening and being like, oh, he's just telling a sad stop story of like... Nah, not at all. Yeah, like I... I, I he's just telling the truth. Yeah, like I... Uh, yeah. And like how that's, you feel, that's fine. But I mean, yeah. it just sounds like this next four years trying to like flip that victim mentality to hero mentality and trying yeah. to like, you know what? If the support's not there, how else am I going to do it? That, and that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm at that moment of like, I had a chat to Harry Bink the other day and I was just talking to him about like thinking about tricks and how like coaching himself and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And he was so wise and had a few things to say that I was like just snapping into like, damn dude, like I can coach myself. Like I, I, I know I can maybe like, yeah, fully flipping the switch on it. Cause it, I, I think in the past leading up to the games, it was a little bit victim mentality. Like, damn dude, like I'm the only mm. one here. It wasn't more of like, damn, I'm the only one here. Like I can do this without like yeah. the support staff. Like it's been a bit, maybe me, being up in my own head a little bit too much, but I'm like I said, I'm starting to flip that. I'm starting to find the positives and everything. And I'm like, I'm, I'm growing as a human. Mm. Like, but I think it just stems back to as well. Like your childhood from like getting no support from your teachers and stuff. It's almost like 
this is absolutely putting words in your yeah, mouth, but on. it's like this victim mentality has been like pushed on you from such unfortunate circumstances throughout your life that it's not almost attracting it, but it's like, how do you like empower yourself and be like, screw it. Like I'm going to take the ball in my hands and take the next chapter, which it sounds like your mindset is definitely shifting that way, which is exciting what's to come. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Since like I've had a small break from snowboarding in the past week while, and I've just decided like, like I'm going to, I always get so excited at the start of the season, but I was like this year, I was like, okay, I'm going to have a break at the start of the season until school holidays finish. And I'm going to relax a little bit. And it's been so good for my mental health. And it's been so good to chat to different people from different sports. And even just like chatting to randoms on the street being like, Oh yeah, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm snowboarding. Mm. Just like, kind of like, and then my brain's starting to rewire itself into like how I used to be before, I don't know, before all this, like, victim mentality sort of mm. thing like i started being like yeah of course i can do this i can do yeah. that i can like and you start thinking about snowboarding in a different way you start yeah. thinking about these tricks and like i've been having dreams about tricks like that i really want to do and it's like I, I can feel it coming together again like same in that year in 2019 that i felt it coming together and like it, it that feeling of like fresh life fresh yeah. fresh energy coming to Mm. yeah to everything that I, i've been doing lately like going to the gym i feel a fresh energy in the gym like uh, it's not a it's not a oh i have to go to the gym it's more of a like okay damn to. like like that's, let's, that's harry's mindset yeah harry's mindset, i don't have to do anything i get to do it yeah and that's that's where i'm at at the moment i'm like i, I don't have to go to the gym i get like yeah. the other, i went to the gym this morning with harry and i was like Shit, yeah i get to, i get to go to the gym with harry mm. and like when it was getting real painful it was like yeah i get to be here and i get to feel this pain mm. like no pain, no gain. <laughs> yeah, well, for anyone listening, I'm running a marathon tomorrow, so I'll be going through some pain as well. But <laughs> man, this has been such a phenomenal chat. I, your story is so unique and it's so inspiring to hear what you've overcome to get to where you are. I'm very excited to follow your journey and to continue to support you as much as we possibly can with Good Humans, um, the Good Human Factory, Good Humans podcast. And yeah, hopefully anyone listening can get around your story the question I do finish every Good Humans podcast with, and I'm sure you've Well, can I say to, one real thing yeah. real quickly? If anyone's ever in the street or anything like that and wants to have a chat about something like regarding this, please just come up and talk. Like, I, I'm so down to hear different stories and different... Mm. I don't know, just other people's view on either my story or even other people's view on their own stories because I'm, I'm consistently learning from the yeah, people around me. Absolutely. And, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll leave in the show notes your, your socials and stuff. So please get in contact with Maddie, get in contact with me, tag us on the Instagram story if you enjoyed this conversation because I know I have and I'm sure some people, I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of this and hopefully, yeah, make some positive changes and maybe get a bit of inspiration from the story that you've been through but the last question i do finish on is what does being a good human mean to maddie cox being a good human to me is something that my dad taught me as a young age and it's nice to be important but it's more important to be nice and that is hands down that's what i just try and live by like Mm. that one line i feel that with you i really do and the way that you treat everybody i mean maddie's been staying with me the last couple days we've gone out to dinner a couple times and we've been at the pub getting dinner and maddie takes the plates back for everyone to the kitchen basically cleans them up but yeah you're you're an you're an amazing man dude and i'm very excited to watch what's to come so thanks for jumping on good humans podcast appreciate it mate. yeah brother hold up what was that 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.